You are Locked On A's. Your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 220 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and on today's episode, the A's offense exploded against the Reds pitching staff on Monday. Very, very fun spring training game. I'm also going to give Matt Blackham a shout out here on the podcast uh, for no reason. I mean, he he pitched an inning on Monday, so uh, I'm going to call attention to that. And then uh, I also have one potential flaw that A's batters have. Uh, I'm going to give you guys the information. Do with it what you will, but uh, it seems a little bit scary if I'm on to something. So uh, that's what we got coming up for you guys today. But before I get into it, please follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So the big story on Monday afternoon was the A's bats. And linked to their bludgeoning of the Reds pitching was the confusion over the innings ending before three outs had been recorded. Uh, Ray Fozzie had a lot of fun with this on the radio broadcast. And uh, basically, they do it to prevent injuries. And without minor league camp going on, teams are able to play fewer than nine innings if they choose. So uh, the A's played seven innings yesterday, seven innings on Sunday. Uh, some teams, I think the Angels have gone like five innings. It's It's been weird, and teams can do whatever the hell they want to right now. It's the Wild West. And so in addition to all that stuff, they can also choose to stop an inning midway through without without recording like any outs at, at the worst, or you know two outs or one out or anything in between. Those are the, I gave you guys all the options, so I guess there is no in between from there. Um, anyways, so they can just stop an inning whenever they want to, as long as their pitcher has thrown 20 pitches. So... We saw the Reds do that a couple times. They gave up a, a few crooked numbers. They gave up a four, a three, and a four back-to-back-to-back. Uh, to back to back. So their pitching staff was not having a lot of fun. They were like, hey, can we just do the mercy rule thing? And then they did. And because of that, the A's issues with runners in scoring position continue. I'm joking. Uh, they just stopped playing. So they didn't get driven in. Ha ha ha. We're having fun. Anyways, so from a competitive standpoint, it's annoying because you want to see the conclusion of whatever the A's are building right there on the base pass. The, the base is loaded. Let's see what happens. And then it's kind of like you're playing uh, baseball as kids and your mom's like, no, you guys got to switch. You, you don't get to hit anymore. You got to pitch now. And you're like, ah, oh, that stinks. So it's like that. Um, but I mean, basically remember wins and losses don't count. The whole point of spring training is to get people ready for the regular season. So, oh, well, and you could even argue that the A's continually punching the Reds in the face would make their arms tired. So maybe it's for the best. <laughs> But moving on to the actual game itself, uh, Buddy Reed came in as a defensive replacement uh, at some point, like the fifth inning or something like that. And then he threw out a runner. So he's got uh, two outfield assists in two games. Welcome to the Buddy Reed show, you guys. This is a lot of fun. I really like uh, listening to or watching him play. Either of those I'm very happy with. Uh, one of those I can definitely do this season. The other one, I'm not sure. So hopefully he makes it to Oakland at some point. Uh, I, I talked about his chances of making the team uh, on yesterday's podcast. So uh, go ahead and listen to that if you like Buddy Reed. He also hit a two-run homer a little bit later, and uh, he 
He's just fun. I like Buddy Reed. I said it yesterday. If Buddy Reed does something, I'm talking about it. There, I have talked about Buddy Reed now. He's great. Um, but let's talk about some other A's people. Um, speaking of putting on a show, <laughs> it's fun when you write stuff down and you're like, I feel like saying that, but it doesn't really fit in. And then you say it and you're like, yeah, it doesn't fit at all. So speaking of putting on a show, Pete Cosma, who has all of four big league home runs in his career, he hit the A's first homer of spring 2021. So if you had that on your bingo card, uh, I, I think you win. Matt Olson added a moonshot of his own that reportedly nearly hit the Reds bus. I'm not sure if that was a joke or not, because uh, there was no video proof, but I'm, uh, it, it apparently almost hit the bus. So that had to be like an 800 foot blast or something like that. The beat reporters just kept saying that it was the longest home run that they'd ever seen there. So uh, cool, I guess. Uh, Grant Holmes got the start for the A's, and uh, he's a pitcher. And he recorded a couple of outs and then walked Alex Blandino. And that uh, led Aramis Garcia to show off his arm behind the dish when Blandino tried to steal. And he was uh, either out by a bus length or by a mile, depending on which beat reporter you want to go with. So he was out by a lot. Aramis Garcia... He's got a decent arm, and that was pretty cool. He also went two for two at the plate with an RBI and two runs scored. And then uh, Holmes worked the second inning as well and allowed a run. But there was also some defensive shenanigans going on behind him that uh, people didn't necessarily know what was going on. It sounded as though Pete Cosma had trouble with a fly ball and then kicked it really far, and somebody wound up on third. That's basically what I got from it. It seemed very strange. Um, so that's... Uh, that's Kind of how that run scored. It, you know, you lead off an inning with a triple like that, and then they score. Oh, well. Uh, so Grant Holmes, he, he was fine. In the third inning, Matt Blackham told you I would talk about him. He was a minor league free agent signing from the offseason, and he is also a non-roster invitee, which just means that he's basically not on the 40-man roster. But anyways, Matt Blackham struck out the side and ended up with the win in the game, and this led me to his baseball reference page. And results-wise, he's pitched really well, actually, holding a 21-9 record. Records don't mean as much, but... We 21-9 record for those of you keeping score. And he's also held a 238 ERA in five minor league seasons. So results-wise, he's doing okay. And his ERA was only above three in one season. And that was back in 2018 when he had a 342 ERA. Uh, so, you know, he's done that once. Looks like he's pretty decent. Uh, he strikes guys out a fair amount. And he ended the 2019 season with 13.4 Ks per nine. Uh, and that was at double A. So... Maybe he strikes guys out really well. He struck out three today, so obviously he's got something working for him. The question marks for him, though, come with his walk rate, which isn't like insanely high, but he has averaged 4.2 walks per nine in his minor league career, and in his trip to AAA, his strikeout rate fell to 6.3 strikeouts per nine in, you know, small sample size, but it was 15 and two-thirds innings. So I think that the A's just want to see how he does against guys in the upper levels, you know, uh, against major league hitters, against triple-A hitters. Uh, see what he's got, because he, he's doing something right. I don't know what it is, but he's doing something well. And there's no really no hard conclusions that I can draw right here, but I'm going to be keeping an eye on him after, uh, after his striking out the side performance in game two of spring training. So uh, being a reliever, he's probably down a ways on the depth chart. Uh, there are six main relievers like uh, with Romo, Rosenthal, Wendelkin, uh, Petit, Kalerik, and Diekman. That's six. Yes, that's six. And then there's Danny Jimenez, the Rule 5 guy. Uh, I assume that he's going to be on there. Nick Turley, I keep throwing him into the into the uh, bullpen as well. So there's not a ton of room right there at the major league level. But even if those two guys, even if uh, Jimenez and Turley are moved and not kept 
you know, with their options or with uh, the Rule 5 status hanging above them. Then you still got above him Lou Trevino, Burt Smith, and probably Jordan Weems. So I don't know that there's a clear path for Matt Blackham into the majors immediately, but he is a nice potential depth piece to have. So uh, we'll see how he fares the rest of spring training and uh, keep an eye on that. I just felt like giving him uh, some love on the podcast because I have not talked about him nearly enough. So uh, moving on, Raymond Goodwan, uh, he worked a 1-2-3 inning, uh, and I think that it was pretty quick because I was listening to the game on the radio, and it went from Ray Fossey making fun of the uh, previous inning just ending with two outs and being like, yeah, that was really silly. What's going on there? And then all of a sudden the A's were back at bat. So I assumed that he threw three or fewer pitches to get three outs. Um, it, it was weird. So uh, that was a lot of fun. And then finally, Nick Turley came on in the seventh and final inning. And I've been talking a lot about Nick Turley of late. He's a big lefty, throws 97, and is definitely a piece that you want in the bullpen if you can get him right. And as I said last week, he uh, if he struggles, it's about the story that you're telling with his spring training. If he starts off bad, but he keeps improving and he's working on things and the coaches see that, then he has a chance to make the team. He did not do well in his first spring outing. Uh, he gave up home runs on back-to-back pitches. He gave up three runs in total. He, he walked a batter. He struck out a couple. So it wasn't the ideal uh, first spring training outing for Nick Turley. So now he just goes back, he regroups, and he tries again in a couple of days. And that's uh, that's spring training in a nutshell right there. Uh, I, I still think that he's got a decent shot. I don't think that uh, you know one outing is going to deter the A's from keeping him on, especially when it's the first outing of spring training. He's going to keep getting chances, and uh, I'm excited to keep seeing him uh, working on stuff during spring training. So anyways, uh, A spring training action continues on Tuesday with the A's on the road facing the Brewers. But coming up on this show, I'm talking about a potential flaw that most A's batters have. So stay locked in with Locked On A's and I'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you guys by rockauto.com. They are a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps and motor oil and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there, how did you hear about us box and let them know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Today at the Locked On Today podcast, with players fleeing Texas, what NFL team will be the worst to play for in 2021? I think it might be the Texans. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. And welcome back to the Locked On A's podcast. Uh, if you're enjoying the show, make sure to hit subscribe wherever you like here in podcasts. Follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter. You can also email us any questions that you got to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So last week I went down a really weird rabbit hole and I don't remember how I got there, but uh, 
it started with me basically looking at some uh, splits for A's lefty bats like Matt Olson and Mitch Moreland, uh, and I was curious if they'd be susceptible to breaking pitches from left-handers. That's what this whole thing started as, and I have no idea what made that come into my mind, but it did, and here we are. You were going to listen to this for the next couple of segments. So, according to Baseball Savant, Matt Olson hit 154 against breaking pitches last season, and I know that he had a down year overall batting 195, but he also hit well over 200, which it was like 220. 230, something like that, uh, against fastballs and off-speed pitches last year. So breaking pitches were the reason that he struggled. And I know that I've been saying that you can throw away 2020 stats because they're weird and stupid and nobody likes them, but this isn't a, just a 2020 problem for him. And in 2019, he hit 230 against breaking balls, 274 against fastballs, and 304 against off-speed pitches. So he is definitely worse against breaking balls on the whole. And keep in mind, this is against both lefties and righties. It, this is not just lefties with breaking balls. This is lefties and righties. So that took me over to Mitch Moreland's page, and the results were pretty similar, actually. I know that he'll be platooning and not seeing as many lefties, but he hit 171 against all breaking pitches last year, while batting 306 against fastballs and 276 against off-speed pitches. So he was 100 points worse against breaking balls. It's not great. Uh, and the same trend followed him in 2019, batting just 181 against breaking pitches. So, uh, you got a bunch of guys that aren't hitting very high, hitting for high averages against breaking balls. So you can see where I'm heading with this. But so let me just read off some A's batters and what they did against breaking pitches. Uh, you got Tony Kemp. He hit 133 in 2020 and 149 in 2021. He's another left-handed bat, obviously. Uh, then you got Stephen Biscotti. He hit 259 in 2020. Uh, hit, that was his best against any pitch. And then in tw uh, 2019, he hit 200, his worst against any pitch. So I don't know where to place him on this spectrum of where does he hit breaking balls? Then you got Ramon Laureano. He hit 134 in 2020 and 238 in 2019. And each year, that was his worst average per pitch. But on the bright side, he smokes fastballs. So uh, just let him hit some fastballs, I guess. Uh, Marcus Simeon, I know that he's not with the team anymore, but I wanted to compare him to Elvis Andrews. So uh, Marcus Simeon in 2020, he hit 138 against breaking balls and he hit 249 in 2019. And in both seasons, it, he was far and away better at crushing fastballs while lagging a bit with off-speed and breaking balls. So uh, I'm, got, you got guys that can hit fastballs. His replacement, Elvis Andrews, he, he hit 150 in 2020. It was a, you know, he played like 29 games, so not a big sample size, even by 2020 standards. And then he had 249 in 2019, and each year it was his worst pitch to face. Uh, and it has been since 2017, so that seems like a, a fairly uh, con convincing trend for Elvis Andrews. Then you got Chad Pinder. He hit 353 against breaking balls in 2020, 310 in 2019, and Pinder thrives against breaking balls. So you got one guy who you're like, ah, that's fine. And then you got Sean Murphy. He hit 226 in 2020 and 200 in 2019. Uh, he hasn't really played a full season yet, so I don't know if those are small sample sizes on both or if he struggles against breaking balls. We're going to have to find out in 2021, I think. And then you got Matt Chapman. He hit 323 in 2020, his best batting average against any pitch, and 232 in 2019, his worst batting average against a pitch that season. So he crushed curveballs in 2020, and uh, he struggled against sliders and cutters. I know that was real quick and a lot of numbers, but if you're keeping track at home, that is four guys in the lineup that generally hit above 200 against breaking pitches, which is not a great mark for success. And to make that even worse, all four of those guys would be in the uh, in the lineup against a left-handed starter. So um, 
there there are, are fewer left-handed starters, which causes another problem. But uh, you know, I guess you do what you can, and hopefully uh, opposing teams don't know this. They definitely do, but hopefully they don't. Um, and this is something that I'm assuming that A's coaches will have the guys working on during the spring. And obviously other teams do know this information because it took me, you know, an hour to find this out on my own with uh, public data. So that's fun. And I didn't like chart graphs or anything. I clicked on player pages and went down to breaking pitches. It wasn't that hard. <laughs> so I have a little bit more to cover on this topic coming up, but if there's a question that you have about any of this stuff, uh, please tweet them to us at LockedOnAs on Twitter. DMs are open, too, if you want to do that. Um, just, I thought that this was interesting. I'm going to go into how pitchers adjusted to these guys with their different pitches uh, in 2020 and see uh, what they did, if anything. So that's what's coming up here. So stay locked in with LockedOnAs, and I'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you guys by betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to place a bet on all of your sports action. Football may be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. They got some prop bets up there for uh, the MLB side. I'm going to be talking about them on Friday's episode. I'm going to make a case for why Matt Chapman should be the AL MVP, or at least make the case for why he's going to be the AL MVP. Um, anyways, BetOnline has you covered for all the new scores and odds. It's the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. You can head over to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. If you're the type of baseball fan that can't help but get giddy over prospects, we have the podcast for you. Locked On MLB prospects, hosted by minor league play-by-play -play voice and friend of the podcast, Aram Layton is the only daily podcast devoted entirely to the stars of tomorrow. From team-focused farm system breakdowns, prospect rankings, and interviews with some of the brightest up-and-comers in the game, Locked On MLB Prospects is the best way to stay plugged in on the future on your favorite team. That's the ace. If you're listening to this, hopefully it's the ace. So subscribe to Locked On MLB Prospects wherever you like to hear podcasts. Welcome back to the Locked On Ace Podcast. If you guys like the show, hit subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. Follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter. You can also email us any questions that you got to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So a minute ago, I was telling you about the A's breaking ball problem. Uh, it, it, it's apparent and it feels like people would know about this. I don't know how much teams can do about it besides adjusting their usage just a little bit because you can't throw 100% breaking balls and get everybody out. That's just not how it works because then you can sit on something. You got to learn how to pitch and all that stuff. So um, the numbers that I'm going to give you guys here, I know that numbers in a podcast, not easy to follow, um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and go slow and work it out with you guys as I go along. So here we go. Um, I, I basically went with guys who faced the A's either multiple times or were from like the Padres or the Dodgers teams that do good analytic work. And so here we are uh, atop the list. You got Lance Lynn who started three games for Texas against the A's. And in his first start, he cut his fastball usage from his 50% average on the season down to 42%. And then he basically threw 5% more curveballs and then an extra cutter and an extra sinker. So, uh, he, as you probably know, he did really well against the A's no matter what he did. He threw uh, six into third innings and gave up one earned run in that particular start. 
Uh, in his second start, he upped his fastball usage to 50%, and his other offerings just hit their seasonal averages, so no big deals on there. Uh, he went six innings and gave up two earned runs on that one. And then in his final start, he upped his fastball usage to 52% and used fewer cutters and more sinkers. So he was definitely adjusting things. He also seems like somebody who has his own game plan. He's not going to be listening to analytics no matter what. He's like, hey, what's working for me? I'm going to go off of that. And so I don't know that you can build much of a case for or against whether or not he was using his uh, breaking balls more or less because Lance Lynn is just a different kind of guy. So I dug a little bit further and Garrett Richards, who played for the Padres last year, I think he's with Boston right now, uh, he only started one game against the A's and in that one start, he cut his fastball usage by 18% over his season average and threw 28% fastballs while throwing 7% more sliders and 10% more sinkers. He went seven innings and gave up three runs. Also for this, I only went with the guys who did well against the A's in their start because I wanted to see if they did well because they did something different with their pitch usage because the A's struggled against breaking balls. So that's where I was coming from. Uh, moving on, though, you got another San Diego starter, Zach Davies, who was his teammate, who was no longer with the Padres either. Um, he upped his curveball usage from 2.8% to 8% in that game. It's not a big difference, but it went from a negligible pitch to something that he actually kind of threw a little bit. And he ended up going seven innings. It gave up four hits and zero runs. Uh, obviously, you got Lucas Giolito in game one of the wild card series, and he's usually a fastball changeup kind of pitcher, but he increases fastball usage by 4% to 54%, usually just starts at 50%, <laughs> like a sucker. But he also upped his slider usage by 11%, up to 26%. And uh, as we all know, he allowed two hits over seven innings. He did kind of good. Um, and the data doesn't feel like a whole bunch, but you can definitely notice a lot of these pitchers going more to their breaking pitches and doing something different than they usually do. I don't know if that was because they knew about the breaking ball thing or if it's, hey, these guys uh, attacked me differently. I need to adjust my game plan or it's this is what I'm feeling today. Let's go with that. So uh, in such small samples, it's kind of hard to tell, but uh, it's something that I can keep track of during the course of the 2021 season. Uh, hopefully it doesn't continue because that would probably be bad news for the A's. Um, but he here's another guy. You got Walker Bueller from the Dodgers. He upped his curveball rate by 13% in his start against the A's, and Dustin May upped his by 8%, so they were definitely going for more curveball-oriented approach. And uh, the final pitcher that I want to talk about is actually Christian Javier of the Astros because he pitched against the A's four times last season, twice in the regular season and twice in the playoffs. And uh, two of those were as a starter in the regular season and two of those were as a relief guy in the postseason. And uh, I, I wanted to see what he did differently to basically shut down the A's and look like a dominant beast in the playoffs. So, uh, so I did. And in his two regular season outings, he combined to go eight innings as a starter, and he gave up seven earned runs. He was using a slider a little bit more, but the A's punished his other pitches, uh, like his changeup and his fastball. Uh, in the first game in particular, they used the long ball to chase him after three innings and gave up five runs, and all five of those runs came on the home run. One of those was from Robbie Grossman on a, a fastball belt high and in, so... Kind of a nice spot to give a, a fastball to a lefty. And then uh, one was on a changeup down and out of the zone to Matt Olson, who just crushed the crap out of that ball. And then uh, the last one was a fastball up and over the plate to Matt Chapman. And that's how uh, they scored five runs in three innings against Christian Javier. Um, his stuff isn't great, but I'll get into why he shut down the ears. Um, 
it was magic. <laughs> and this basically just shows that over the course of a season, you can't really rely on one or two pitches to get you through 30 starts. But if you're coming out of the bullpen, like Javier was in the ALDS, then you can succeed in a very short basis. Uh, he came out of the bullpen in game one and game four of that series in the ALDS, and he was throwing only fastballs and sliders, both times only fastballs and sliders. And in game one, it was 72% heaters with 28% sliders. In game four, it was 81% heaters and 19% sliders. And during the regular season, he was sitting at 92.2 miles per hour with his fastball. In game one of the ALDS, he was reaching 93.6 on average and got as high as 94.6. That is almost two and a half miles per hour faster. And also in game one, there were shadows to contend with. So they already had a little bit of a book on this guy. He's throwing harder and there are shadows. That's why he shut him down over an inning in game one, obviously. Uh, I don't know that it was necessarily anything that he was doing differently, except for being a two-pitch pitcher, which if he's going to be in the rotation, he's not going to be a two-pitch pitcher. Uh, unless they want to put him back in the bullpen, I'm not expecting the same results that you saw in the playoffs from Christian Javier, especially against the A's in 2021. So that's one thing for me. His slider was also sitting at three miles per hour harder. That's just another thing. Uh, game four, he was averaging 94.1 and touched 95.5. So that was an extra mile per hour over what he was just doing, which was, you know, two and a half miles harder just three days he just kept adding velocity, which is really weird. And you can only do that in short sports. You cannot do that over the course of 162. So did the Astros figure the A's out? I don't think so. I mean, kind of, but not really. Uh, they did a bunch of other things. They were also coming up with timely hits. And it was not just Christian Javier, but he also faced the A's a whole bunch of times. So I wanted to focus on him. Um, yeah, I mean, to a degree, they, they kind of did something different when they were facing the A's, but I don't think that they can rely on some extra velocity and the aid of shadows on a regular basis either. But as for the breaking balls as a whole, I think that it could be a legitimate concern for the A's in 2021 when facing guys with decent breaking pitches. It is something that I asked uh, Brent McGuire, my guest tomorrow about, uh, we recorded on Monday, uh, behind the curtain there, we recorded on Monday about uh, the, the Angels and all their stuff, and at the end I was like, hey, how is your team's breaking balls? I don't think it was part of the actual interview. I think it was just us, you know, uh, shooting the crap a little bit. So um, maybe I'll include that after the credits. I don't know. Um, but yeah, he gave me some names to keep an eye out for that. I'm going to be keeping an eye out for now when he when they face the A's. So it's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on as the season gets underway. And coming up tomorrow, as I just said, I have my talk with Brent McGuire of Locked On Angels. I got to chop it up for you guys, but uh, it, it's recorded. It is done getting you guys ready for Angels and A's action. So, uh, yeah, see what he thinks about the A's and what I what we did, which was different, which was a lot of fun, actually, um, was we guessed each other's team's win predictions. So, like, I threw out my guess for the Angels and he gave me a guess for the A's and then we said well that was too low or too high and that was fun so uh that's uh that's coming up for you guys tomorrow so make sure to tune in to that but until then stay indoors and celebrate good times Oakland keep wearing those masks and I will talk with you guys tomorrow